Welcome to episode number 24 of the Grab Blogger podcast. We're helping academics build online businesses and change the world. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. Today's episode, we're actually doing a live interview. So this was from an event that I recently attended, FlynnCon 1. This is Pat Flynn's event, um, his first ever conference that he hosted in San Diego. And it was at July 26th to 28th in 2019. So it was dated for those of you that are t- tuning in in the future. But this is actually a live recording we did at a Buzzsprout recording booth. Um, there were a number of really great, really interesting people at the conference, and even some academic entrepreneurs, some academic online business owners, people that are building up in this space. So I met with a lot of those there. I've had some great conversations, but in particular, Dr. Dave Eng from jobhacker.com. Um, he has a couple other websites, universityxp.com, and also design, daveengdesign.com. And we said, hey, let's give this let's give this podcasting thing a try. He knows I run the Grab Blogger podcast. He's thinking about maybe getting a podcast at some point itself in the future. So we kind of shacked up, got into the booth at uh, the Buzzpro booth at the FlynnCon event, and just went back and forth on what lessons are we learning as academics building online businesses from this conference. So the conference was, was mostly geared towards um, online entrepreneurs, digital marketers, and those that are building businesses through blogging. The question is, how can we take that away as academics? What takeaways can we take and put those into our own business? So with that, sit back and relax and listen to this live recording from the event FlynnCon 1 in San Diego. So I'm here live with Dave Eng at FlynnCon. Um, we are at the Buzzsprout podcasting booth. They have a great booth here set up. And we booked a time to sit down and kind of have a chat at the FlynnCon event, this Pat Flynn's event in San Diego, and talk about what we've learned from this event for academics creating businesses, academics putting themselves out there online, um, and kind of just want to do some back and forth from lessons learned because mm. Budsworth had this event. So um, Dave, maybe say hi. Hey, everyone. I'm Dave Ang. I'm here with Chris. We're at FlynnCon. Uh, again, it's a live event, so you're going to hear a lot of background noise. Um, hopefully, you can hear us well over that. But um, Chris and I got together uh, a few moments before this, and we just wanted to discuss a, a couple of our takeaways, specifically as academics who are attending this conference, um, and mainly for entrepreneurs. So uh, Chris and I had discussed. Uh, we both have some points to make. So Chris, I'll let you go first with um, your, your first big takeaway from FlynnCon so far. Yeah, before we jump in, maybe we're not exactly sure how we're going to use this audio. So um, if Dave wants to use it for one of his podcasts, um, I'm Dr. Chris Cloney. I run a podcast called Grab Blogger at grabblogger.com. And Dave, maybe give me a little short intro about you and, and your work so that when it goes up on Grab Blogger, it makes sense too. Oh, yeah. Okay. So um, uh, I run two blogs right now. First one is called University XP. That's universityxp.com. And that is the place where I blog about my uh, dissertation research and research interest in games gamification and games-based learning, specifically how we can use games uh, in an online teaching and learning environment. And then my second blog is The Job Hacker, that's J-O-B-H-A-K-R, and that's where I help other entry-level student affairs professionals in their very first student affairs job search. So that is a blog that I had started a while ago when I was helping some of my mentees in their first uh, student affairs job search, working in higher education. Love it. And we met through the Academics Mean Business Facebook community that mm-hmm. uh, Lindsay Patia runs. I think we were both featured on her podcast, which yep, you can go more. check out. Yep. The event we're at here is in San Diego, and we actually got to meet up with Lindsay last night and uh, kind of chat shop with her and see where, where Academics Mean Business is at. So that's the kind of small environment that we have going here. And with the, you know, the lessons learned, they're pulling in from online marketing, from people like Pat Lind, experts in the field. We just want to go give you guys an idea of what 
kind of lessons we're learning here live. And as Dave mentioned, you'll probably hear plates banging and clinging in the background. That's because we're, we're recording live in the, the bus for a booth. So mm-hmm. let's get right into it. Uh, maybe we'll start with Dave and kind of what's the, this has been a two-day event, mm-hmm. um, two-and-a-half-day event. What kind of things are, are on your mind or rattling around in there uh, as uh, kind of lessons learned? So I, I'd say the number one lesson that I've learned so far, and the main reason why I decided to come to FlynnCon 1 this year, is uh, for the connections, for networking. So if I had to take away my one lesson, uh, first lesson would be connections count. Uh, I came here to meet you, Chris, and Sean, and a bunch of other entrepreneurs in this space who are doing the same thing that I want to do. Uh, Granted, some people are at different levels, but I think it's great to be able to share our different business ideas, share some of our strengths, share some of our weaknesses, and really kind of collaborate on where we are on our specific journeys and how we can best support and help each other. Um, Number one, meet more people. Number two, grow our audience. And number three, hopefully make some more money in the end. So I would say connections count. It's been a big takeaway for me. Yeah, and I'll add to that because one of the big things from just chatting with, I don't know, 200 people <laughs> over the last uh, over the last 48 hours and a bit more, um, is that there's no one size fits all. There's not one magic business model. There's not one, dare I say, beta launch of a course that's gonna gonna make this work. It's really getting feedback and getting a cross section of what all the available options are out there through those connections, through those communications, and trying to figure which ones are gonna work for you. So I love that point. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mention something earlier that Pat opened up with in his first session, which he actually brought on the stage three ladders. And those of you know know that my, my other business is DustSafetyScience.com, where we look at industry safety. So I'm not going to comment on the safety aspects of putting three ladders on the stage. But the point he was making is he did a, a really um, theatrical performance, I would say, where he showed his, his uh, original career as an architect, as a one to be in kind of band, and then how he lost his job there. Yeah, I really had to kind of let go of the ladder to move into this online business world. And he had a really poignant demo where, again, not commenting on the safety aspects of this, he had two hands and a foot on one ladder, online business, and he still had one foot on the other ladder, and that was the architecture business. And he, he realized, and you can see it visually, that you can't actually climb up the ladder if you only have two hands and one foot on a ladder, and the other one's on another ladder. You need to you need to just pick up that foot ever so slightly or you can't go up mm-hmm. the ladder. So I thought it was a, a great demo. Thankfully, uh, everybody made it safe and sound off the stage. But did, what do you think about that, Dave? And I think coming from higher education and teaching and learning in general, uh, it's great to be able to demonstrate and use visuals and metaphors. And I think Pat did a really good job of that in that uh, you know, there's, we only have so many hours each day. We only have so much energy to dedicate to ourselves, to our families, to our professions, and to our lives. And I thought that was a great analogy for demonstrating that you know, yes, you can put a lot of energy into climbing one ladder, but sometimes you may not get to the top or you may reach a point where you can't um, progress any further. You may want to try to climb another ladder, but to make significant progress on one ladder, you're going to have to take your foot off the rungs of another one because, again, we are, we are resource and time limited. And sometimes in order to make big leaps, we have to make a big investment. I love it. So I'm going to bounce it back to you. What's the... Uh What's another kind of big takeaway from the last couple of days? So my other big takeaway was uh, whenever I go to conferences in general, one, I go there to network, but two, I also go there to learn as much as I possibly can. So my number two lesson 
is going to be leveled up learning. Uh, here, I didn't really know what I was going to get out of the conference because this was the very first time I had attended a business-focused conference before, specifically for entrepreneurs. So all I knew was that I wanted to soak up as much information as possible. And for me, uh, a lot of that had to deal with um, getting over growth mindset, getting over scarcity mindset. I know that for academics, it's difficult to want to do something for money because I know that uh, working in higher education, we're kind of ingrained with the thought that, uh, you know, we're doing this for the learning and we're doing this for the community, not necessarily for the money. Uh, but that was a lot of my background. Chris, uh, what, did you, what did you have to gain from anything that you've learned so far from the conference? Well, I mean, the, the continuous learning part for sure and the, the level of up learning, we actually listened to a I believe his name is Walid, and I don't know his last name, but mm -hmm. it's Ask Pat. Um, if you Google Ask Pat and Walid, I'm sure it will come up because it's pretty popular, two episodes. Uh, but he told us a story about, as a photographer, he knew nothing. He bought a $2,000 camera. He somehow, serendipitously, will say, ended up on a photo shoot photographing Usher mm -hmm. um, as his first time ever using the camera. And it was a hilarious story, which ended in him having really grainy black and white photos that were terrible because the color was all wrong. and. He didn't, know, he didn't even know Photoshop existed. And for some reason, Usher seemed to like that photo and he ended up going on tour with them, which is a ridiculous story. Um, I'm not sure if it's even available to public. <laughs> but the point I want to make that is on the road with Usher, he said he would every day just learn one tip. Mm -hmm. He would go on <laughs> literally on, on YouTube and, and say, what is the next tip I need to know? And the, the team there would say, oh, you need to photograph this way. He said, oh, no, I only, today I learned about how to shoot in front of a window. So you guys are going to have to go over in front of the window. <laughs> So that was the one thing I learned today. But after, you know, after being on tour for several months and learning one thing a day, is trying to level up one way, mm -hmm. um, he actually went on to be pretty, pretty kind of prolific photographer, I guess. Yeah, and I think uh, Walid is like the case study and a perfect example of being flexible because he came into the, that situation knowing what he wanted. He knew what he wanted the outcome to be, but he didn't know the steps in order to get from here to there. I mean, he did embrace that one idea that he wanted to learn one new thing every day. And so long as he could learn one new thing every day, that was something that he was uh, not necessarily an expert in, but could demonstrate competency. So like you said, that window story before about just needing to shoot in front of a window or do something else was incredibly powerful because that's all he knew. And then now he is where he is because he was able to learn from that experience and then just grow from it. So I think that out of everyone we've heard, he has the most endearing story so far just because he was able to, he was able to not only beat the odds, but also um, become a better person because of it. Yeah, I just pulled up while Dave was talking. The, the second episode is Ask Pat 1044. Yes, there's over a thousand episodes of Ask Pat. Mm -hmm. Where are they now will lead Azam, Azami. I don't know how to say his last name, so. Yeah. But this is what happens when you record live, <laughs> um, and the original episode was 1,022, and then yes. he shared with us the the story of how he got started, which isn't in those, but the two episodes themselves are, are well worth listening to. Mm -hmm. um, so where are we at? Whose turn is it? Uh, so I did level up learning, so it's your turn. Please. Okay. So I'm gonna kind of dial it back to a planning phase for something like this, and maybe planning for your 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 online blog if you if you're just looking for content in the world your online business if you mm -hmm. if you want to go that road and create a profit and and you know see the change you want in the world through reinvesting those profits or anything like that the big thing i want to hit on is is you need to find what's unique about you and what only you can put into the world and the reason i bring this up is because um like dave i haven't been to a ton of online marketing conferences so i didn't know what to expect but i'm pretty sure that 
that there wouldn't be another one that looks like this. Mm-hmm. And I'll give some examples. So it's really folks on people that are just getting started um, mm-hmm. an online business. It's really great things. That's a, um, a big portion of, of Pat's audience that he can help serve as people getting started. Mm-hmm. But the, the parts that I didn't expect to be in here is he had his, his son and his daughter on stage today. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to pronounce their names. They're Hawaiian. And I'm gonna, it's uh, gonna Keone and Keilani. Yeah, you yeah. got it. Um, but he had them on stage. Mm-hmm. He had his, his, his wife on stage, which I have my 11-month-old son here, and my wife's actually um, taking care of him while I'm attending the mm-hmm. event. Mm-hmm. But not a lot of online marketers would be, would be able to integrate the lessons learned from having a family will try and do this. I know that impacts a lot of people in academia, too, because you may have family. And how do you go about doing a side hustle with your full-time job and integrating another family and making mm-hmm. sure that you're your spouse is accepting and to make sure you're still there for your children. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to bring it all the way around. So that's something I think in online market space, really only Pat Flynn could, could put that in there. So that's the unique selling proposition, the unique um, value proposition that you could really put on this conference is integrating some of these softer topics, like how you actually get over things like imposter syndrome, how you actually communicate with your family, your mm-hmm. desires to want to build, build an online business. And those are things I don't think you find elsewhere. That's why I want to kind of bring it back to is you're thinking about starting an online business, you're thinking about creating a blog as an academic. It's don't, I do always say try to find somebody and, and you know, let them be your, your virtual mentor, learn about them, mm-hmm. but they're only a guidepost. Don't try to be them. Mm-hmm. You need to figure out what, you know, what unique value you can put in the world and, and then start doing that. And you'll learn and change as you go too. After three years into this, I'm a different person than, than I was when I started and I'll be a different person three years from now too. Yeah. But still try to focus on the unique you know, the uniqueness of what I bring. So what, what does that kind of bring up in your mind, Dave? So for me, uh, I think part of the reason why I like listening to Pat and the reason why I'm here is that Pat and I share a lot of the same characteristics. We're both, I told this to someone else I had met here before, we're both brown guys. We're both 36. Uh, we were both laid off in our lives. We both have full names that are only two syllables. Uh, it's getting and spooky now. It's getting real <laughs> spooky. And I, I identify with so many of those different things. I think that, I mean, we, we still diverge in some areas. Pat has a family. I don't have a family. Uh, Pat's married. I'm not married. And, you know, Pat was becoming an architect. I decided to continue schooling all the way through my doctoral program. Uh, but for me, it is addressing those soft topics like you talked about before. Because I think as academics coming into this, if we were to go the traditional higher education route, like if you're an MBA program or anything else, they don't teach you any of that. They teach you about management, they teach you about accounting, maybe some tax law or something else, but it's these soft topics like how do you balance a family? How do you develop an audience? How um, How do you serve while selling at the same time. And I think these are all very uh, important topics to talk about, but don't get addressed in formal education. I think this is part of a revolution for higher education in general, but I think Pat's at the forefront here and being able to address those topics from not only the industry perspective, but also from his worldview. So I think that's been very, very valuable. Yeah, I love it. So I think it's over to you, Dave. What's Mm -hmm. uh, number four? Maybe we'll do a summary. So you so uh, I talked about uh, co- um, connections count, yep. uh, leveled up learning, uh, and then the last one that I wrote down was always be advancing. And this is something that has been part of my philosophy for a while, but it kind of got reinforced uh, during this conference. So for me, I have a to-do list every day that involves um, a, a certain things that I do on a regular day-to-day basis. So one of them is I'm always trying to expand my knowledge base. So every day I've committed myself to reading 
at least one blog post. And that could be a blog post on business, online marketing, higher education, games, gamification, anything else. So long as I read at least one blog post, I'm good there. Uh, the other thing I'm doing every day is I am uh, reaching out to people in my uh, audience, in my area, and I'm tr just trying to bring more people into my email list or Facebook group or anything else. Uh, and then the last thing is that I'm trying to find ways to monetize my own business or better make use of my time. So every day I am expanding my knowledge, I'm expanding my capacity, or I'm expanding a way to monetize something in my business. And so long as I do one of those three things, preferably all three of those things every day, I feel like I'm advancing and I feel like I'm moving forward. So that's something that Pat talked a little about, uh, talked a little bit about in one of his uh, talks and something that really um, uh, resonated with me because it's something I'm doing on a regular basis. But Chris, is there anything that you do uh, on a regular basis for either your personal life, professional life, or the, the business in general? Well, I mean, uh, the, the Grab Blogger podcast is, is ripe with the, the examples of the things I try to get in every day. Mm -hmm. But the one, I'm going to read, so this is a, um, a discussion I had last night um, mm -hmm. along the same topic. And it was with a, an individual that was really struggling to build a business on the side of their, their um, existing job. Mm -hmm. And the, the struggle was the, the amount of hours required to do that. And this comes back into, you know, making sure you do that one thing a day. But I... I kind of reiterated to her because in a past life I had a, a full-time job actually while I was doing my PhD originally I was working 50, 60 hours a week and trying to do PhD research on the side which I wouldn't recommend for people but the mindset I tried to cultivate in myself was I would go to the office um, at I, I'd hit the, I'd hit the gym at 5 I'd go to the office I'd be in there for 6 I worked 6 to 9 mm -hmm. and that's when people everybody else would come to the office and this was even this wasn't my academic work this was just trying to get ahead in the corporate ladder mm -hmm. which People have heard kind of the, some of the, the meltdown there, and there'll be more stories on that in the grab ladder. But the point I want to make is I used to get there every morning in the office, and I'd go, I'm going to do more in the next three hours than most people get done all day. Mm -hmm. With that mindset, and because I had that mindset, I would actually get more done. In those, sometimes there's only two hours, but if you come with that mindset that I can do more in two hours a day than most people are doing to change their life their entire day, which here's a, here's a pro tip. <laughs> just having that thought you're probably doing more than most people are doing to change their life every day. Yeah. You can actually make some big, big changes in your life mm -hmm. in, a, in a relatively short amount of time per day. This comes back to the ladder thing. So I was doing that, but I was, I was on the wrong ladder when I was doing that. So I was uh, climbing right up the wrong. And when oil and gas kind of tanked and my company was, mm -hmm. was struggling, all that hard work I put in was, was difficult. So but that's the point I want to make. Is if you're struggling for that, think about it. Not that you only have two hours a day to work on your business or one hour a day because you have family commitment, but think about, can you, can you honestly say that you're probably doing more in that one hour to change your life than someone else is doing in their entire day? And, mm -hmm. and the pro tip is that you probably are, even if you have that thought. Yeah, I, I, I echo a lot of that, Chris, because... Uh, for me, I'm in the middle of several projects right now. Like I'm trying, I'm authoring two courses and I'm writing one book. And the goal is to finish all three of them by the end of the year. And I've been working on them since October last year. Uh, so the way I approach my workflow is that I don't have time. I, I can't d devote an entire day to working on a course or a book. But what I do do on a regular basis is that I spend like 15, 20 minutes every day doing just a little bit of it. And it doesn't have to be a whole chapter for a book. It doesn't have to be a whole module for a course, but I'm writing some copy, I'm editing some copy, I'm putting together a worksheet. And just as long as I can do that work for that 15 minutes, I've moved 
that much closer to the end goal. And where I think I see a lot of people fail, uh, and this happened particularly in my doctoral program, was that people try to do way too much for way too long, when really you should focus on incremental advancement and achievement. There are some people that can totally sit down for eight hours and just crank out work for that, the, that entire time. But you know, unless you're a Marvel superhero, that's probably not you. And as humans, we got to do a little bit every day in order to reach that goal. So that's one of my big takeaways too. I love it. So I'm going to close off with the third thing here. And it's actually, it's, it, you almost set me up perfectly, but it's, mm-hmm. it's finding the right next step. From the, the conversation we had, we, Shalene Johnson did a keynote yesterday. And it's about finding what is that right next step. So maybe you have a big vision, you want to put a course into the world, or you want to, like myself with Dust Safety Science, you want to have a year with zero fatalities over the next 20 years. You have some big vision. You want to change your life. You want to not be committed to um, staying in your university position, or you want to be able to take your family for a trip. Maybe there's some big vision. But that's not the next step. That's the vision. That's the post signpost in the future. Question, what is the right next step? And what Shalene went into was, was a bit of kind of a dichotomy that the right next step is usually authority building or it's revenue generating. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that for the beginner, the next step should probably be authority building. That's just that's something I talk about a lot on Grablogger is if you take six months, eight months, and you're able to become seen as the, the provider of the best information in the world in your topic, that's authority. Then different monetization ops will come and you can actually ask your community, well, what do you... What do you actually need? And that's how I found out that um, an industry directory to connect equipment and service providers in the combustible dust world was the thing that was, was missing. People would ask me and say, I'm in Argentina, I have a facility and I need some safety measures in place, but I don't even know who to connect with. Mm-hmm. If I had to create a course doing that, then I, I might have missed the mark on what those people actually needed. That's the point I wanted. So what's the right next thing? And, and from that presentation, I really took away that it's probably for a lot of us is building authority. I mean, that's what I'm doing with Grabblogger. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I haven't created a course today where I'm putting out these podcast episodes or recording. That's really me trying to build authority in the space of academic entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. For you, not you, Dave, but maybe we'll ask you, Dave, in mm-hmm. a second. But the proverbial you, the you that's listening to this podcast episode right now, what is that next step to help you build authority in your space? Is it you know, starting to actually create blog post content? Is it starting to create um, YouTube videos? Is it sharing on social media with the goal of educating someone? Um, what is the right next step for you? And then tie that right back into Dave. What can you can you do that in 15 minutes today? If you can, you probably went pretty far. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, for me, uh, everything that I've done at the conference so far has been very, very hel- uh, helpful and useful. Although uh, figuring figuring out the next step was one of those tasks. So one of the things I'm doing right now is like what you said before, building authority. So. For University XP, I have a blog. I write on a weekly basis, and I've been doing so for at least the past four months. And uh, some posts do really great, some posts not so much. Uh, What I'm really struggling with is growing my audience because there isn't really a specific target market for that right now. Like, I write about games because I enjoy writing about games, but I don't know who I'm specifically catering to. I did put together an, an ideal customer avatar, but it's difficult because that ideal customer avatar may not necessarily be looking for something that I'm selling or, or something else because there's just a lot of different people in a lot of different fields that can that can be involved with this. But for right now, what I'm doing is I'm following your advice, which is I'm building authority by writing on a regular basis and publishing on a regular basis. Yeah, the, the ship muscle is the hardest one to exercise. And that was like episode two of the, the Grablogger podcast mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. it is a muscle you need to Get out there and practice it every day, like Seth Godin says in Tribes, and, and let go, or not let go. That's mm-hmm. Pat Flynn's book. Yep. Um, Leap first. <laughs> yeah, getting content in the world is, is, is really a necessary. If you're, if you're thinking about creating a course right now, 
and you don't have um, a blog post that's been published in the last two months, then you, you might need to reverse your thought, unless you're already the, the worldwide scene guru. <laughs> um, but if, if you're not, then you need to maybe be thinking about how can you be putting that into the world to create authority. Mm-hmm. Those are the notes I'd marked down for things I've learned. There's been a ton more. Anything you would kind of close up on, Dave? Any big I don't know, super takeaways or meta takeaways or something that's... Uh... My biggest takeaway as an academic is that we are already purveyors of uh, information and knowledge in our space. Uh, but the thing that we need to do is pivot in order to use that information to serve our communities. And that's something I'm working through right now. It's part of my identity and it's something that's been a challenge, but I'm committing myself to working through it uh, through the next six months at the end of the year. And I might close on, if we, if we want to go meta, um, mm-hmm. I might close on one that I've I was going to actually do a separate podcast episode when I get home on this, but we'll, we'll drop it here. It's, it's funny because I'll have a conversation with, with an academic here because there are, there are a, a, a number of us. Um, we're probably a small, we're a very small population of the overall conference, but there are some. And you can't let it uh, be a crutch that you're, you're an academic in the sense that imposter syndrome, the scared, mm-hmm. being scared to sell, not scared to sell, but not having the, the skills to sell yet and be confident in yourself, mm-hmm. lack of confidence is another one. These are things that people, humans, struggle with. Mm-hmm. These aren't things that academics struggle with. Everyone I talked to at this conference has said the, those same type of things. Mm-hmm. But sometimes when I talk to academics, we say because we're an academic, we're scared to sell or because graduate students don't have money. That's not true. <laughs> That's just a human thing. Yeah. It's, humans are having passion. Humans are, are nervous about selling. Humans think other humans don't want to spend money on them. So, And that's fine in the sense that well, the point I want to get across is that you can say that because I'm an academic, that's a thing. But don't see as an insurmountable block because it's the same problem that every other human is having at this conference here and they're all trying to get over it too. And they may say, because I'm an accountant, mm-hmm. I have imposter syndrome, but it's not really true. It's part of the human condition and you know the, that's what we're trying to fight against every day with this stuff. Yeah, and it's just part of our, uh, uh, our challenge to want to become more than we are right now, but we have to do that by shedding the person that we were. Yeah, I love it. So. We'll close up. Um, if you're listening to this on the Grab Blogger podcast, definitely check out the show notes. We'll have transcripts and all that sort of stuff. I've never done a recording at a booth in live <laughs> like this, so I'll probably throw an outro or an intro or something on this. And I, I'm going to say to Dave, I hope this makes it up on your podcast someday as well. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> all right, Dave. Look forward to uh, talking soon. And we are actually heading off to what's the last special guest. Mm-hmm. And then there's a there's a pool party, if you can believe that, to attend the conference at the, at this the afternoon. Conference, yeah. All right. All right. We'll call it there. Thanks, Dave. All right. Thanks.